Good morning. Hope all of you are doing well. Today we're going to be learning Maseches Moid Katan Daf Test. We're starting about six or seven lines down on the page on Tas Medalev, starting with the words Udein. We were in the midst of learning a discussion about Ein Ma'arvin Simcha Besimcha that one should not get married during Chol Hamoid because there's a, a very high level of Simcha there and a very high level of Simcha in regards to the Regal, and those two things should not coincide. Um, what are the Mari Makomos behind this? How do we know that there is such a din of Ein Ma'arvin Simcha Besimcha? So the Gemara says as follows, From where do we know that there is a restriction of combining two different episodes of Simcha? Let's just use this as our paradigm for the day of getting married, just one Simcha, which is the other Simcha, and that instead of them being overlapping, they should be uh, they should be one after the next. Says the Gemara Dechsiv, because the Pasuk writes in regards to the Chanukah, he made a big party and everybody came from all over the place. Seven days of celebration. And then that was followed by the seven days of Chan. And that totaled 14 days. So, had it been that it was uh, that we were allowed to be ma'arvin simcha besimcha, says the Gemara, first long line, the of the ma'arvin simcha besimcha, had it been allowed, would have been much wiser to overlap the seven days. We should have done one set of seven days. And during those that one set of seven days, we could have killed two birds with one stone, not 14 days, just seven total. And the seven total could have served for the Chanukah Samizpeach, plus the seven days of Sukkot. Perfect. Everything would have been great. By virtue of the fact that we didn't do that, we therefore see that in Ma'arvin Simcha V'Simcha. says the Gemara, V'dilma Mintar Lona Trinan, V'hacha Yisrami Avdina. Maybe, says the Gemara, well, not necessarily. It, it could be that we don't necessarily save things to be overlapping, but we could uh, we could have them overlapping. Or they do overlap. Great. Like let's say that it had been that the base Mikdash was completed a week later, on the fifteenth of of, of, uh, of Tishrei. Then yeah, maybe we could have done it. Says the Gemara. Okay, fine. In short, we have no clarity from the pasuk that uh, no definitive clarity from the pasuk of Ein Ma'arvin Simcha V'Simcha. Porta suggests the Gemara. Maybe when they built the base at Mikdash, they should have left over a little bit of the base at Mikdash to build. And that way we could have had the coinciding, overlapping seven days. Says the Gemara, you can't do that. Shiure binyan base at Mikdash, lo binyan, shiure base at excuse me, lo mashayrina. When it comes to the building of the base at Mikdash, it's not right to wait a week and to put the final touches on. You build it, when and when it's done, it's done. So that's not, not, not nice, you're not allowed to do that. Okay, what if you what if you leave over something for the completion of the base amikdash that isn't critical? Maybe they could have left over the spikes that they put at the tops of the walls so that the pigeons and the birds wouldn't settle there and then defecate there and make everything a whole mess. So it says the Gemara, you can't do that. We need that. That's actually part of the halachic height of the wall is to have the spikes there. Therefore, one uh, would not be allowed to leave that over because even though inherently it's not valuable, but uh, for the technical aspects of the basin Mikdash, it is because it helped with the height of the wall. Ella, therefore, we can't use this source. We tried to use the source of the, of the Binyan Beisam Mikdash, but what undermined the source of the fact that the Chanukah Sabayis was prior to 
the uh, the holiday of Sukkot was that okay, but maybe had it been that it fell out that way, that they were overlapping, that it would have been allowed. So we can't bring a riot from there. Now let's try answer number two. Says the Gemara, 15 lines down, there's something extra in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says that there are 14 days. And in addition to the Pasuk saying there's 14 days, it also says, Shivas Yomim Shivas I, this is grade school math. Why? Seven plus seven is 14. Why do you have to tell me all this information? Seven plus seven and 14. Lomali. Why do I need all of this language? We therefore can see from here that when it comes to simcha, they have to be, they have to be distinct and they have to be different. They cannot be overlapping. And that is what the Gemara accepts as a, as a proper marimakom, brain ma'arvin simcha v'simcha. The Gemara continues, Six lines into the wide lines. That year, Yom Kippur did not take place. They didn't fast on that day. So let's think about the math. On Tishrei, on the 15th of Tishrei, that is the holiday of Sukkot. Seven days prior to that was when the Chanukah Samizbeach started, which means that it started on the 8th, which means that Yom Kippur fell, uh, fell out two days into the Chanukah Samizbeach. And how do we know that it was acceptable that they did not keep Yom Kippur that year? They were very concerned about it, even though they had a very good svar. Let's get into the details. And they were worried and they said, maybe the enemies of the Jewish people, which is a euphemism for the Jewish people, maybe they deserve destruction. So when they shared that concern, Yatsas Abbaskal, then Abbaskal came out from Shemayim. You did nothing wrong. All of you are worthy of entering Olam my Darush, what was the drasha that they had made uh, to assume that they did not have to fast on that year on Yom Kippur? It says the Gemara as follows. They made the following Mishkan, Just like by the Mishkan, which was a temporary Makom Kedusha. She'en Kedusha, so Kedusha, so The Korban Yachid, Doche Shabbos, and even the Korban of an individual can push off Shabbos, can override Shabbos, even though the Isr Skila even though there's a very severe punishment of skila, mikdash. When it comes to the binyan based on mikdash, which has permanent sanctity, this leads to some of the discussions of um, how inappropriate it might be to walk on, uh, walk up on harabayas. Big discussions. There certainly are places you are allowed to walk, and there certainly are places that you're not allowed to walk. But there are big discussions about the severity of this. So. They were saying that if the mikdash is kdushas or kdushas olam, the korban sibur v'yoma kipurim to anushkarves lokol shekin. So then, all the more so, when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to yom kippur, which is an anushkarves, all the more so we should be able to override based on the psukim that are required by the chanukas and mizbeach to bring korbanos and to to do the avoda of that day. It just happens to be that the chanukas abayis overlapped with yom kippur. So what do we do when the requirements of the uh, of that week, uh, they require us to bring korbanos, but it's also Yom Kippur that week. So says the Gemara. If that's true, you have such a good svarah. Why were they worried? Yeah, you have a, it's not like you were guessing. You have a ask a and Allah was that way. It says the Gemara. Well, there's a difference. Hasan by the by the Mishkan. When a person was bringing a korban, it was tzarach kavua. But ha'ach We were eating these korbanos. Says the Gemara, fine. So then, Hachanami me'evedle outu do bring the korbanos, but mecha lo nechlu velo It's Yom Kippur. Bring the korbanos 
fine. I understand you can do the shrita at the at the actual korban itself, but then maybe don't eat or drink. That would have been a good blend of the of the days. You've got the requirements of the Hanukkah samizbeach. Bring the korbanos, but don't eat them and don't drink any wine. Leave it alone. Just keep Yom Kippur. Says the Gemara, powerful idea. Ein simcha below achila ushasiya. See, we had the mechanics in halacha to be able to bring the korban. But what are the mechanics of actually successfully fulfilling our obligations of the day? You have to eat and drink. It's part and parcel of the simcha. It's part and parcel of the day. And therefore, they were able to eat at that time. Says the Gemara, going back on something that we assumed was very obvious. How do we know that the obligations of the Mishkan? And the Mishkan, is, of course, we know was in The Mishkan had a temporary uh, level of kedusha. So how do we know the dachi shabbosi lema? If you want to say that it's dachi b'yamarishon of yamashvi, that the pasuk says that they're bringing korbanos both on the first day and on the seventh day, and of course one of those days had to be shabbos. No, dilmashvi the korbanos. Maybe that counts in the psukim is only referring to korbanos, but not referring to not referring to anything else, but not referring to uh, anything other than the number of korbanos. So therefore, maybe we should say it's just like all of these days were continuous. <coughs> so to over here, um, all of the days had to have been continuous in their korbanos, and therefore the Mishkan, the avod of the Mishkan can be docha shabbos. Says the Gemara, maybe it's only for the days that are fit for this, not including Shabbos. Maybe it's only weekdays. Says the Gemara, we can't assume that because on the 12th day, it says the word Yom as well. All 12 days had to be built this way. That they are allowed to be where the Mishkan overrides, uh, where the Mishkan overrides Shabbos. Says the Gemara, uh, maybe here too it's only days that are fit and not the day not the day of shops only weekdays says the right. otherwise we have two psukim that say obviously that doesn't make sense so because of that extra pasuk we therefore see that the mishkan can be docha shops what is the psukim that teach us that the mikdash that the uh, avod and the mikdash can uh, can be, violate Yom Kippur, so that says the Gemara says follows. If, if it's because of the psukim that say it's the fourteenth day, like we saw above at the top of the page, the fourteen days, maybe that too is only speaking about yomim haruuyim um, of days that are in Shabbos and days that are fit for the avoda. Says the Gemara, no gomar yom yom mehasam. We actually take a bridge. Uh, from Xerashav of Yom Yom, and we bring it all the way back over to our case from Mishkan over to Mikdash, and that's what makes it permissible. And then, as we said, we had said that everyone uh, heard a Baskal, and, and it said that all of you are uh, are invited to Olam Abba. Says the Gemara, how do we know that they were uh, given forgiveness, as it were, for that day? Says the Gemara, the Tani Tachlifa, Biyom Hashmini Shalach Hasamei Baruch Hasanach Beelchul Olav Smechim Atu Beliv Al Kol Atov Hashas Hashem Adavid Avdu Yitzchalamot. So let's analyze this pasuk to see how we know that the Jews were given kapara; they were given forgiveness for for not fasting and for eating on the day of Yom Kippur. Lo Haleim, what does it mean to go to their tents? That they that they went went to their tents. Shalchum Matzon Neshem Betara. They saw that their wives were tahora from me to all of them. 
smechim. What does it mean that they were smechim? So that they all benefited from the from the glow, from the glory of the shechina. What does it mean they were good-hearted? That everyone conceived and everyone uh, had conceived a, a boy. And all of the good things. So we have this part of the drasha that indicates, like we said, that there was forgiveness taka in regards to Yom Kippur. What does the rest of the Pasuk mean? I understand when it says Yisrael Amo, that when it talks about the Jews, we just pointed out that they got kapara. That's why it says it was good for them. What does it mean that it was good for David? So the Gemara tells a story. When Shlomo Amalek wanted to bring the Aron Abris into the base of Mikdash, the doors were stuck against one another. They couldn't open the doors. They were locked. He said 24 uh, songs, and the doors didn't open. He said the Pesachim in uh, Sundays to Helen for Shir Shalom didn't work. Uh, and then, you need to remember David. So we had said, why does the Pesach say that David Avdo also um, was, uh, was, in, was in a good place? That's what the Pesach said. We said we understood why Yisrael was in a good place because they got Kapara for Yom Kippur. But what about David? So we see here that David was the hook David was the was the leverage point that got the doors of the Mikdash open for Shlomo to bring in the Aaron. Therefore, we see that he was forgiven as well. But also, once they heard this, that this is how the doors got open, all of the enemies of David had a blackened face, uh, like the bottom of a pot. Obviously, it's a muscle. They're like, oh, we see that David is now in the good graces of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he was forgiven. The Gemara continues 15 lines from the bottom, a little bit less, 12 lines. Rabbi Yonasan ben Amsai, Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim, Tanu Parshas, Nadarim Bey, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. They were learning Maseches Nadarim with Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai. If Tormi maybe or at night, they planned on leaving town. They were going to go, they're going to go home. Um, and then with Safra, but they ended up getting stuck. And in the morning, Hadur would come to the They came back and they learned by him again. They were stuck in town. Says the Gemara, Amar Lahu, Rabbi Yochai, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai says to these two Talmudim, didn't you already say goodbye to me last night? So Amr Rabbeinu, you taught us something. Talmud There's a Talmud that leaves his Rebbe and then gets stuck in the same city. You have to go back to the Rebbe another time and then say goodbye again. On the eighth day, uh, the people were sent out and they blessed the king. And this was the 22nd of Tishrei. And then Uchzibe Ubiyom Esrin Yishlosh on the 23rd day of Chodesh Hashvi, Shalach Esa'am, that he sent out the people. So from these two psukim, the Gemara says five lines from the bottom. Okay, so that's what happened. These people are, are remarkable people. Uh, go and get a bracha from them. Okay. He, he thought that they were learning. They didn't want to interrupt them. So he's sitting there and he's listening until they finish learning. So here's the sigh they were discussing. It says the Gemara, one Pasuk says, uh, one Pasuk says, uh, a Pasuk that references that we should weigh 
uh, weigh every act, activity that we are about to do and prioritize them, which mitzvah is greater, and then choose, which is not a simple thing to do. But another passage says, that you should not uh, me- measure which activities you do. This is like in, in line with the principle of schar mitzvah b'hayam aleka. We don't know how to prioritize mitzvahs. We don't know exactly how to do that. So which one is it? So this is what these two Talmudim of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai were learning. So they said, When do we say that it's a mitzvah that's So let's look at Rashi, because Rashi here gives a beautiful explanation of this Gemara. Rashi says, In a case of mitzvah, you should weigh which one is greater. So if I have two mitzvahs that need to be done, and I can give one to you and I can keep one myself. So then I have to make a cheshman and I have to keep the bigger mitzvah for me to do. And then you can do that's what it means in the Gemara. And at the top of the Aftas and the Bay, the rest of the, the parish is, uh, is as follows. And when it comes to mitzvahs that you're keeping yourself, we don't weigh them, says Rashi. Just do the mitzvahs, whatever it is, that's our obligation. So when it's all internal, we don't measure, we, we do, we just uh, just push forward, we knock every mitzvah off that we can in whatever, uh, whatever, in whatever order they come to you. That's what the Gemara says. So they weren't done learning yet. These two tell me the Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, they continued top line and they said, how they're coming by, they were talking about the following pasukim. See, one pasuk says, your chafatzim, they have no comparison. Yishvuba, but Kadosh Baruch Hu's mitzvahs are awesome. There's nothing, there's nothing for you to even compare to in regards to Chavse Shemaim. It says the Gemara here too. Kan b'mitzvah Shev Shalos Sosa Deicherim. Kan b'mitzvah Shev Shalos Sosa Deicherim. It depends. One pasuk is talking about you being able to do all the mitzvahs, and the other spot talking about when you need help with someone who's who's going to be your partner in crime. Anyways, they finished learning the Pesukim, and Amr the two Talmidim said to the son of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, my boy Sacha, how can we help you? What do you need here? Amr Lehun, he said to them, the Amr Abba, my father said, Zil Gabayu Delibrachucha, go to these great people and get a bracha. And this was the bracha they gave. Eight lines down, Amr Rava de Tizra Velo Techzad. May you merit to plant, but not to harvest. Te Ayel Velo Tepu. You should uh, bring into your house and not let out of your house. Tape of Kolotayel, let out of your house and not let into your house. And then he, they, then they said, Your house should be destroyed and you should become a guest. Your table should be destroyed. And you should not see a new year. Not exactly the most uh, warm and fuzzy blessing that anyone could get. When he went home to Rishim and Ben Yochai, Amar forget about the fact that they didn't give me a bracha. My gosh, they were so negative. They hurt me. It was very damaging bracha. Amar my So Rishim and Ben Yochai says to someone, bracha did they give bracha? Bracha, Amar They repeated the conversation. This and this. They said to me, Amar Every last one of these things is a bracha. Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai went to the whole bracha and explained how each line is, in fact, a good thing. What does it mean you should plant but not harvest? That you should plant, you should have children. And you should not harvest them, they should not be cut down, meaning that your children should live a long life. What does it mean that they should 
uh, be brought in and not be let out of your house. Tael Kalsa, you should bring in a daughter-in-law for your son. And you shouldn't, uh, your, your son shouldn't die to the point that you would then uh, need to send the daughter home. She can't live at your house if she's not married to you and she's your daughter-in-law. And if her husband dies, then she has to leave. So bring her into your house to marry your son. And then she should never leave. Your husband, your, meaning your sons should be safe and well. What's next? Third of the way down, five lines before the wide lines. Tape book for Loteo. What does that mean? You should send out and then not take back in. Tolid binasa velo yamusu guvraihu velihadru levasach. That if you're uh, if you have a child who's living in someone else's house, your daughter lives in someone else's house. Uh, you don't want her, her husband to die, so that she has to move back in with you. And uh, that's uh, another part of the bracha. What does it mean, lechu beischa? The that your house should be destroyed and that you should be but a guest, says the Gemara. The high alma, the high alma This world is like an inn; it's like a hotel. alma besa, and the next world should be like your house. This is the temporary, the famous story of the Chaznish. Why don't you have nice furniture? He says, "I'm just a traveler." So that's this Gemara. I'm only here for a short time, 120 years in your Tashem. and after that, that's when that's when it all really starts. This is uh, this is the pregame. This is not even the pregame. This is just a prose door. It's just a hallway. It says the Gemara, how do we know this is true? That's what the Gemara says about uh, about having the right hashkafa, having the right hashkafa about this world and the next. Last short line, why should your table be be destroyed? Your house should be a mess. <laughs> If you saw what was behind the computer, it's a mess. So that's what happens when you have a Baruch Hashem and you have children at the table. It's very messy. The house is dirty. How do you get out of this one? These two Talmudim of Rashbi, they said that uh, you should not be able to see a new year. It says the Gemara beautifully. What it means is that you shouldn't see another new Shona Rishona, another new first year with another wife that your spouse should live a long and healthy life and that you have no need for a Shana Rishona again. So that's what the Gemara says was the bracha. Says the Gemara similarly, although in, with different people, that there was a, a story in regards to uh, in regards to another person who gave a bracha. Rav Shem ben Chalafta, if terminated the Rebbe, Rav Shem ben Chalafta was leaving the presence of Rebbe. Omar Lili Brei said to his son, um, go get a bracha. You should not embarrass and you should not be embarrassed. When he got back to his father, to Rib Shimon ben Chalato, Amarle, my Amarlach, Amarle, Milan, the Almud, Amarle, little bracha. It's like a bracha of Hatzlach of Buha. It's a very simple bracha. You shouldn't be embarrassed and you shouldn't embarrass. He says, Amarle, no, you misunderstood. He gave you a bracha that the Kaddish Baruch Hu gave to the Jews. So this is from a pasuk. You're getting a very big bracha, the bracha that Rebbe gave the son of Rosh Hashanah. It was a beautiful bracha. Don't be, don't embarrass, and don't be embarrassed. What does it mean? That a woman in Chalamoy can do her jewelry. So let's see. There are three things that a woman can do, that a woman does in regards to jewelry. It's like eye makeup. She can part her hair. She can put this uh, material on her face. It's basically a type of hair removal system that she can remove 
hair from other parts of her body. The wife of Rav Chizda was putting on her uh, Shabbos makeup, putting on her Shabbos finest with her daughter-in-law. Yossi Ravuna Barchinana, Kamid Rav Chizda, and Ravuna Barchinana was in the house. I, I guess he found out that she was putting on her makeup. This is the Rebetzin was putting on Yossi's cover. Lo Shanu El Yalda, Avazakain alone. Uh, during Cholamoy, a woman who's an adult, she's not allowed to put on her makeup. Only a child is allowed. Amalei Rav Chizda snapped back, absolutely not. What are you talking about? Your mother, even your grandmother, even if she's standing over her grave, a woman is allowed to put on her makeup during Cholamoy. The Amri in shape, people say, a 60-year-old is the same as a six-year-old, the Kol Tavla Rata, when they hear the bang of the drum for a wedding. Oh, you know like what that's like at a wedding. They've been taking pictures for an hour. All of a sudden, you hear the band. They're they're warming up, and once the drum hits a certain rhythm, you recognize the chasm and kala are going to come in. Everybody instantly goes to the floor. Doesn't matter if you're sixty or six. He uses this as a mashal. When you're sixty or six, still a woman wants to put on her makeup. Nothing to talk about, and it's absolutely mutter. No distinction between a yelda and a zikin. Next to that, fifteen lines or so, twenty lines from the bottom. We're going to go to the last word on the page, and then we will. Stop. Rabbi Yudam Loti so that she should not put on this hair removal on her on her body. Tanya Rabbi Yosi Omer Yisha Loti so b'neshin nivulhulam because it's painful for her, as we said the other day. Umod Rabbi Yehuda b'sitchi cholol lekap of a mocha tofal tovamod. If she's able to peel off the um, uh, whatever she puts on her face, she can peel it off. That's fine. Afapishim etziri achshav because simchei laacharzman. So because there's a long term benefit and it's uh, not as annoying as it would be the other system which doesn't peel off. So here. Uh, this is uh, to her benefit. As long as you can peel it, it's fine. Says the Gemara. Does Rabbi Huda really hold of this idea that as long as the Simcha comes down the road, even though right now you're Bitsar, does that work? After all, that's not in another area entirely. That one is allowed to get paid by a Goy on the day of their holidays because when they pay, it makes them upset and it's their Yom Edam and that's fine. You couldn't pay them on Yom Edam because then they'll say to their gods, to their deities, wow, thank you, deity X, because look at this, I just got money. So they're they're allowed to pay, to pay us, but we're not allowed to pay them on their holidays. But people argued with him and said, no, you shouldn't allow that, because even though they're upset right now, so what do we see from this pushback against Rabbi Huda? The Rabbi Huda doesn't hold of the idea of, uh, of doing something right now which your mates are, which you're upset about, that down the road there's going to be simcha. And if so, how can you say that a woman is able to use this peel uh, on her face to remove uh, to remove unwanted hair if we don't hold the svara of samech You are comparing two cases that can't be compared. You're talking about paying a goy on yom edam to the case of cholamoy. It says, the gemara hanach lecholamoy, the kuhu mates are achshav v'samech l'acharzman. Uh, that, that, that's that's the whole nature of Cholamoid, is that we're doing things now that we'll, we're going to enjoy them in the long run. Even if it's tiring, it's fine. We're, we'll be fine. So that's Svara, Rabbi Huda does employ over here by Cholamoid, but the Svara of Meitzar now and Sameach later, he doesn't employ in regards to the world of paying back a Nanju or getting paid back from a Nanju. Another answer is Rabbi Amar, no, Nachri Lilinian Piron, Lola Meitzar. The Nachri, he's always, it's always going to hurt him to pay a bill. It's always going to be difficult, and I'll never never feel simcha later. That might have been Rabbi Huda's sheet over there. <clears throat> uh, one last sugya. Says the Gemara, there's a girl who has 
um, hit certain developmental stages in her in her body, but she's really not old enough. So how does she take care of her body in regards to unwanted hair? Anios, the, the women who are poor, the girls who are poor, Tophilos, the son deceit, they would use some type of lime to remove hair. Ashiros, the rich girls would use Tophilos, the son besolas, they would use uh, some type of flour mixture that would they would use to remove hair. And Benos Malacha, and the highest caliber, uh, the 1% of the 1%, the daughters of the kings, B'Shem and Hamor, they would use what they used in the times of Esther, that the women in the times of Esther would spend six months and they would uh, they would take care of their skin, take care of their bodies. They looked absolutely beautiful for Hamor. We've had this Gemara a few times. What is Shem and Hamor? What is this oil of myrrh? Says the Gemara, it's an oil with certain additives in it. It's a very young olives and the, and the olives uh, and the olive oil from them. Um, and then the Gemara says, It's anpikinun, which is shemen similar. Why were they anointing them with shemen hamor? What does it do? It does two things. It, it's a hair removal product and it also makes the skin look beautiful. Double. Rabibi had a daughter, Tafla Ever Ever, and he did this process, which was taxing on the body, but he did this process. He made sure that uh, she was beautiful and uh, in the right way, in all the right places, he made sure that she was beautiful. So he did this process of Shem and Hamor with that double benefit of removing unwanted hair and making uh, the skin look beautiful. And um, back in the day, there was a dowry paid it that if someone wanted to marry your daughter, so they would have to pay a dowry. And she was so beautiful that Shakalba Dalad Meazuze, that because she took care of, she was taking care of in regards to how she looks uh, with the Shem and Hamor. So she, Lemaisa, was so beautiful that somebody paid 400 zoos. Um, however, one of the neighbors picked up on this and kind of made a big error. There was a non Jew in the neighborhood who had a daughter. Instead of doing what Rabibi did, which was Aver Aver, first with the hand and then with the arm and then with the shoulder and then with the face, fine, but the body one Aver at a time. This guy dunked his daughter in a whole container of this shaman Hamor. Umesa, and she died. She didn't follow the instructions on the box. Omar cut Rabibi Libraski. My Bibi killed my daughter, Rabibi, who I saw that he did this with his daughter and was successful. But my daughter died from it. But this guy didn't realize that he had done it the wrong way. Rabibi, who drank a lot of beer, his daughters needed these uh, skin treatments. I, says Rav Nachman, um, I who don't drink beer, says the Gemara at the very last Rashi on the page, why is it that drinking wine would lead someone to uh, would lead someone to this issue of needing to tend to their skin? So Rashi says, um, last Rashi on the page, Boyan Benasin Tifla, the Shechar Megadel Seyar, Umeave Esabosa. Drinking wine puts hair on your body, it makes hair grow. Umeave Esabosa and makes the skin uh, thick. So, therefore, um, uh, therefore, one should, if you want to drink beer, that's fine. Just recognize some of the fallout, maybe that your children will be a little bit hairier. That's what the Gemara says. We're going to stop right here. Uh, we're going to record again, Mir Tashem Mote Shabbos. Um, and then again, Sunday morning. And, um, and then I'll be Mir Tashem back in person on Monday. Wishing you all a beautiful day.